Hey, I'm Hayden Bolick, and I'm the host of the Working Therapist Podcast, and you're getting ready to listen to part one of a podcast that I did with Debbie Hume and Allison Nance. Allison Nance is our project manager here at Pediatric Developmental Therapy, and Debbie Hume is the director of special needs ministry at Mana Church, as well as the owner of Neuropathways to Learning here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And Debbie discusses the special needs ministry at Mana Church with Allison and I, and we also talk about how we've been able to partner to support this ministry. So here's part one of Mana Church's special needs ministry. Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. I'm very excited today to have two great guests and people with me here today. I have Debbie Hume from Mana Church, who's the director of their special needs ministry at Mana Church, and also Allison Nance, who is our project manager here at PDT. Debbie, why don't I start with you, and then we'll go over to Allison. Debbie is actually an international educator and traveler. I'm so tickled to have you here with us today. So welcome, Debbie. Thanks for joining us. And why don't you introduce yourself, because you'll probably do a better job than I would do. Oh, okay. Thank you. (laughs) Well, currently I am the director of the special needs ministry at Mana Church, and I'm also the owner of Neuropathways to Learning here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And so tell me what the Neuropathways to Learning is. What do you do there? Well, it's a private practice involving mind, brain, and body training. And I offer four different services. One service I offer is an early intervention program called Search and Teach for ages five to seven. And the purpose of that is to strengthen identified perceptual weaknesses that we find in these children and prevent a potential learning disability. The second thing I do is something called Interactive Metronome, which is a computer-based training program to improve processing speed, motor skills, attention and concentration, and academic performance. The third thing I do is biofeedback and neurofeedback, and that's used to improve physical and psychological conditions like attention deficit disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and a few medical conditions as well. Hmm. And then the fourth thing that I do is brain mapping, and that's to identify neurological dyssynchrony that contributes to symptoms, and it's utilized to develop protocols for neurofeedback to train individuals in self-regulation. I'm going to need to know more about all of those things. I can just tell you right now. Like, hold up. I need to know all of that. 100% those are podcasts all right there in the making. I was joking a little before. If I said, hey, we'd love to do podcasts on that. And if you agree to it on air, does that mean you're, like, committed and you have to, like, show back up again to do this? Apparently so. I don't know. But I do not kidding want to know more about all that. I know a little bit about interactive metronome. I'm fascinated by that. And so I'm definitely curious about all of that for sure. But those are four great podcasts. I'd be glad to share that information with you. Mm -hmm. Those are fantastic. So when did you open your private practice here? I originally opened in 2011, but then I was accepted into an internship in brain mapping in Mm -hmm. Scottsdale, Arizona. So I moved away and now I'm back and I reopened my office last June, a month ago. Nice. Well, what an opportunity for us in Fayetteville. I'm happy to be here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I work with both adults and children. I was going to ask that next. Mm -hmm. What age child do you start with? What's too young? Well, for the Search and Teach program, it's mm-hmm. for ages five to seven. Okay. For interactive metronome, we can start as young as young babies, like six months. Oh, wow. But typically we start 
utilizing it, you know, around the five-year range and above. Okay. The neurofeedback and biofeedback is usually around five or six years of age and on up. They need to be a little bit more self-aware and be able to sit quietly for that training, usually, whereas interactive metronome is more active movement. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the brain mapping? Brain mapping is more like an assessment tool. Oh, gotcha. So how did you get started with all this? What sparked your interest to work with people who have learned disabilities or special ed issues? Well, it sort of evolved. I started out as a pediatric nurse. And then when I started having children, they were the ones that were having the learning issues. And we were missionaries overseas and there weren't the available services for them. And so I just felt compelled to learn about this myself so I could be the therapist for my own children living abroad. And when we lived in China for two and a half years, my husband started a hospital for orphan children, and I was responsible for helping to educate the Chinese locals in working with the handicapped orphan children in the orphanage. And then when we lived in Thailand for seven years, I was the director of the Division of Special Needs at Grace International School, which offered high-quality education to children of Christian workers in Southeast Asia. Wow. That's fascinating. It sure is. That's a whole other podcast right there. It is. That's a half day. That's a whole day. That's a whatever. That's, there's so much in there. I told her, I said, I'd like to go with you the next time you Me go. too. <laughs> sure. Definitely. I'm going back in January if you'd like to come with me. How long? <laughs> Probably about 10 days. She's committing on the air. I know. I I am. That's right. Because, I mean, I knew that you still went over there. You just got back a few months. I was there in March. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you normally stay for about 10 days or you stay longer? It depends on what I'm there for. But in January, I'll be going to an annual conference. The government of Thailand has now put together a journal through the Department of Mental Health and Public Health together, a journal for children related to child mental health. Right. And I've been on their board for several years now, and I help them with editing and things like that. And so that when they have their meetings, I usually go there to attend the meetings. Wow. And they have a big annual conference, and they have researchers from all over Southeast Asia that talk about topics or research they've been doing in child mental health. Wow. So I stay abreast of what's going on in Southeast Asia. Yeah. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Allison, I can, okay. we can go. <laughs> we travel well. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. How about in China? Do y'all still go to China a lot? We do not. We finished our work and turned it over to the Chinese and then pulled out because we didn't want them dependent on us as foreigners to complete the work or, you know, the ongoing work. We sure. were just commissioned to go out there and get it started and up and running. So we have the systems in place and then we just backed out and let them continue. Hmm, that's awesome. That is awesome. Yes. Okay. For January, we've got some podcasts in between now and then. But <laughs> um, all right. Sounds great. There you go. My good friend Allison is here again with us. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little about what you do at PDT? Well, I'm Allison Nance. I'm the project manager here at Fayetteville Pediatric Developmental Therapy and Southern Pines area as well. Mm-hmm. And basically what I do is a little bit of everything. I do recruitment. I do vendor relations for all of our products that we use and sell at PDT. I handle all of the clinical rotations that come through for the students in the different universities across the country. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of everything. Lots of different hats. In November, well, actually, really in September, we start getting our Christmas Child Project together. Mm-hmm. And so that's Allison's big, well, all of our big project at the mm-hmm. end of the year. But that really starts consuming your schedule. Yes. 
pretty much November on, it's full-time just Christmas Child Project. So that's a huge project every year, among many, many, many others. Yeah, it's a great project. It's a great project. It's fun. It's good. So today, yay, Debbie and Allison, and we are going to talk about the special needs ministry at Mana Church here in Fayetteville. Debbie, you stated earlier that you're the director of special needs ministry at Mana Church. So how did we get connected? Like, I know that answer, but how do we get connected? Well, I called you and I said, can I have an appointment with you? Because I want to know more about your practice and what you do. And since I've worked in Asia with a lot of other practices as far as sensory rooms and occupational therapists, I was wondering what your occupational therapy rooms were looking like. And I was curious to see what your toys look like so that I would get some new ideas in putting together sensory rooms for Mana Church. And so we met together and talked and then I met with Allison and she gave me the tour and showed me the rooms Mm -hmm. and got to get some good ideas about what to order for the church. Oh, it's a woman after my own heart who loves some therapy equipment. I love it. Yes. (laughs) I do too. I really do. It's not about the equipment. It's about what you get from the equipment. But if you don't have the right stuff, you can't get what you need out of our little people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Debbie, actually that day that we actually went and toured Oliver Street, we came back to our admin office and she got to peruse the toy area. And actually that day she purchased a few things Mm -hmm. to take with her. But from there, she went back and developed a list of the things that she wanted pretty much already had that list done, but added maybe a few things to it. And then we started working together to purchase those things and get those for the various location sites. And we're very excited to help be a part of the special needs ministry that you're launching there at MANA. And it's actually called Very Important Kids, VIK. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about the VIK program here at MANA, because we're excited about being part of it. VIK stands for Very Important Kids, and it's a ministry for children with special needs, which is a part of the World Changers Children's Ministry. So I'm under the children's pastor, and I just help him to be successful in ministering to this population of children that we're responsible for that come to MANA. So how did this whole children's ministry happen at Manna? Well, there was a mother by the name of Dana Williams, Mm -hmm. and she has twin boys with a diagnosis of autism. And she was a little frustrated because she and her husband could never attend church at the same time. They're always tag teaming it. And so she decided to start her own small group to get a couple of other adults together to be a shadow buddy for these children Mm -hmm. so that couples can go to church together. And people have been mentioning her name to me, and I didn't really know her. And when we finally got introduced, we became fast friends, and she invited me to be a part of her small group. So I attended and was a shadow buddy for about six months. And then her schedule was getting a bit busy, and she asked if I would be willing to become the leader of the small group. So we met with the children's pastor, and we talked about it, and I said, well, I'd be very happy to be a part of a small group and lead a small group. However, this is great what we're doing, but this has the potential to grow and be much larger. And so if you're open to that, then I'd be very happy to assist you, pastor and pastoral staff, to help it to grow and be a a much larger entity than just a small group. Is the shadow buddy her term, Dana Williams' term, or is that a term? Because I think it's such a cool way to talk about pairing up with somebody else, the shadow buddy. It's not an original name that we coined. Mm -hmm. It's out there. A number of organizations use it. Mm -hmm. 
they have other names for it, but that was just one that we found worked for us. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that's friendly. It is friendly, but I like it because it doesn't mean that you're going to do stuff for the child with special needs. They're still doing their thing. They're just having a nice buddy. Yes. I like it. Okay, so what are the goals of the VIK ministry? What's the purpose? Our ministry is a philosophy of being inclusive. Mm-hmm. You can do it either way. Have an exclusive ministry where you have a special classroom just for children who have a particular diagnosis and can't participate in a regular classroom. A lot of parents don't like that because oftentimes the behaviors of those children get copied by all the other children, and then sometimes mm-hmm. parents don't care for that. So we have a ministry that's inclusive where we, according to the child's age, we'll put them in just the standard typical classroom with a shadow buddy if they're a child that needs one. And therefore, they can be incorporated in the story time and in the crafts or whatever they're doing, if they're capable of doing that. If they're not, then the shadow buddy can just be alongside of them and help them or modify whatever needs to be modified so that they can enjoy that same experience and be exposed to the same material. And sometimes if they're in their own world and they're not paying attention to the Bible lesson or the story, then the shadow buddy can come alongside of them and very quietly whisper it to them over and over in a repetitive fashion or show them a picture much closer Mm -hmm. than having to look at a video screen on the wall. Right. Whatever we need to do to be in that child's world. And it takes a relationship and it takes that one-on-one because oftentimes in a large classroom, it doesn't happen as readily. And so we want the shadow buddy to befriend this child and really establish a rapport with them so that that child feels safe and secure. Oftentimes these children have some degree of anxiety, whether it's social anxiety or just anxiety about the room itself, the lighting or the sound or the pitch of maybe music that might be playing. Mm -hmm. And if they have someone with them that they feel safe with, then it reduces their anxiety and it gives them more cognitive awareness of what's going on in the room. So they're not stressing about something in particular They can relax Mm -hmm. and take in the experience in a more meaningful way. So Debbie, when you assign a shadow buddy to them, is that somebody that's their buddy all the time or do you rotate those people? I didn't know if that was somebody like every Sunday they came in, they had an assigned shadow buddy that's the same all the time or do you have a group of shadow buddies that are pulled from in different Sundays? That's a very good question. We have a group of shadow buddies. Initially, a child will go with someone consistently in the beginning, but Mm -hmm. then not everyone can be there every single Sunday. So there's usually several shadow buddies in the same room because we have more than one child in a classroom. So especially in our five-year-old classroom, we might have up to five special needs children. So we have a teacher with their teacher's aid, and then there's five adults walking around as a shadow buddy. So we have a pretty crowded classroom. So the children are very familiar with all the others. So if someone is sick or is absent on vacation or something, then other people can fill in for them. Mm -hmm. And they're still aware of that child and their proclivities and can step in and work with them. Yeah, And the child has already seen them in the environment. So they're familiar with them too. It's an easy transition. Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then I guess also just different people's ideas. So if, you know, I'm the shadow buddy for one child one Sunday and maybe I know mm-hmm. I'm familiar with all the kids, so I may be able to give ideas to different people or connect in a different ideas. way. Yeah. The, the team members that we have come from a variety of backgrounds, which I love because what we want are people who have a heart and have a passion for these children. Mm-hmm. We want people with passion and we want to pass on that passion to other people. So some people might be school teachers, some people might be special ed teachers, some people might be nurses, and some might just be moms who just like to work with children with special needs. So whoever has a passion is Mm -hmm. who we want to be able to be there and minister to those children. Mm -hmm. And we all share our giftedness and our talents Mm -hmm. with each other which is really, really cool. It's not one leader and a lot of people that work. Everybody works together as a team and everybody shares their input and their experiences together. Well, see, and that's why I think we connected so well because that's what we do here at PDT. And I think you hit on the whole thing, the passion. I had somebody recently ask me in an interview, they said, what are you looking for when you hire people? And I said, passion and the right attitude and the willingness to learn and wanting to learn and be excited about what you're doing. And so I think, you know, you can teach anybody anything if they're excited and want to learn it Mm -hmm. and if they're passionate about it, which is really what you guys are doing in this ministry and what we try to do here at PET. We try to help a child with what area they need help in so they can go and live their own lives. And that's what parents really want. They just want their child to be happy and to be able to do whatever it is the child wants to do. And if the child wants to be able to be in Sunday school and interacting with their peers, this allows that opportunity. So the parents can go to church and the child can be a part of what's going on. Right. I think it's fabulous. And so how do you pair up different shadow buddies with children? I know you answered that a little bit, but do you in advance think, oh, you know, this person will be great for so-and-so? Or you don't always assign, I know, a shadow buddy with a certain child, but do you kind of have in your mind who you pair up with whom for any particular reason, or does it matter? Sometimes it works out that way. If I know the child's proclivities and personality, and some people would enjoy working with that particular child versus another, a majority of our children have a diagnosis of autism, but we've had children with cerebral palsy and with other medical conditions too, and some medically fragile children. And maybe there's someone who doesn't appreciate someone with a lot of energy that likes to bolt out the door, you know, and elope out of the room, you know, yes. and you're, we and, call those runners. Yeah, yes. Runners <laughs> or elopers. Yes. Right. So if the adult is more on the low energy side and doesn't right. feel like they have the energy to run, then sure. perhaps we would assign them someone who's a little quieter in that respect and have maybe someone else who's a little more interested in running uh, be able to go with that child and have more energy to deal with that. So yeah, on some level, we match them up that way. And then after they get to know the children a little bit better, some of them say, oh, can I work with that child? I really like working with that child. And so, yeah. We just kind of pair them up as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah. How does a family get their child involved in this program? Is there certain criteria? How would a family say, oh, my child has this diagnosis or how do they sign up? Well, when they come to church and they sign up in the beginning, when they drop off their children, one of the questions that's asked is, does your child have special needs? And if they say yes, then they immediately give them my church card and a brochure about the VIK program. Gotcha. And if it's a very first time coming, there's a very short little, a few questions they ask them like, 
Is your child on a special diet? Can they eat the goldfish that we offer as a snack or not? Mm -hmm. Or are they gluten-free or whatever? Because we need to know that, obviously. Uh, Or do they have any major allergies or things that we need to be aware of? So we have a little synopsis of what we need to know for that service at that time. Sure. And then I'm alerted, obviously, and then I arrange with the family to do a home visit. So I'll go and spend some time with the family and get to know the child. And the parents fill out a two-page form for me that gives me more information so that I have a better idea of how to best work with the child in the church environment. And then from there, I can share that information with the shadow buddies when the child comes the next time so that we're more prepared. Yeah, that makes sense. And that home visit's nice, too. So you really get yeah, to know the child. I didn't even realize that you did that. So that's really great because that kind of can see that child in the natural environment and kind of understand what's happening with the child so that you can relate that to who to assign for the shadow buddy. Oftentimes in their first visit, they're very stressed and they may kind of have a little meltdown because they're not sure what's expected of them and it's very stressful. So when I can see them in their natural environment, mm-hmm. then it's a much different picture. Right. And the church is very busy with kids being dropped off and picked up. And in the hallway, it's hard to talk to the parents and get more information. And it's noisy. And the children are like, get me out of this noisy place. So it's just better for me to go and visit with a parent privately afterwards where it's Mm -hmm. calm and relaxed. And they can share their needs and tell me their story. I love to hear parents' stories. Mm -hmm. Like, introduce me to your child and tell me all about them. What do they like? What are they good at? How can we get into their world? and share the love of Jesus with them in a practical way that they'll receive it. Right. How can we minister to your child in the best way possible? Mm-hmm. And I think parents really appreciate that because mm-hmm. oftentimes families who attend church are sometimes rejected because of their child, because for whatever reason, the facility can't manage the behaviors of those children or meet the medical needs. And so it's a bit intimidating. And they say, well, you're welcome, but we can't accommodate your child. And Mm -hmm. so that's a form of rejection. Mm -hmm. And if I can go and do a home visit, it shows that I'm very invested in welcoming you. And I want to break that sense of isolation and Mm -hmm. bring you in to being supported and loved by a body of believers. That's great. It also probably eases a lot of the parents. A lot of our families have situations where they have taken their children to various activities and it just hasn't worked well. And so if they've had that experience a lot, the parents are probably very anxious about, oh my goodness, he may be having a fit or do they know what to do about so-and-so or what if he gets a goldfish or what? So I think you being there lets them know that, hey, I really care about your child and I want this to go well. And probably that makes them feel significantly less stressed about being able to leave their child. It's stressful to leave your child with special needs and know that they're well cared for. You know, a lot of these families are new to the area, too, so that it really is not only welcoming into the church, but welcoming into Fayetteville as well and to make them a part of something. It's interesting that you say that because I received a phone call from a family in Boynton Beach, Florida, hmm. and they were in the process of moving here to Fayetteville, North Carolina. They're not military, but for whatever reason, they were moving and they were investigating what services were available in the city and through a website of the Autism Society of North Carolina, Manor Church was mentioned. I guess my contact information was there as well. So they called me and when they came here over the 4th of July to investigate and look at homes and things like that, they 
wanted to meet with me. And so I met and gave them a tour of the church and the facility, but they were asking me about resources. So I said, well, come with me. So I took them to one agency, which is a family support agency. And then I took them to the Autism Society of Cumberland County in North Carolina, introduced them to everyone. And so I immediately became a resource for them. And I just gave them a lot of material and they gained a lot of information in a very short period of time to help ease their stress and anxiety about, you know, moving to a new community and identifying where the services were for their child. And they have a 10-year-old with a diagnosis of autism. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, Debbie. It sure is. Very nice of you to do that. That was over and above. But, you know, really and truly, that's a lot of anxiety when a family that has a child that has special needs moves into a new community and they've got to basically start all over and find all these resources again. Yes. So, Mm -hmm. very nice. It's hard to get connected. State to state, I mean, the services that happen in the school, the rules are basically the same, but really how that state works for children with special needs even though there might be a set of rules, just the way it happens is very, very different and you have to really be connected and it's hard to get connected. And just that whole thing, in addition to if you've got another child in the house or other children in the house that don't have a special need necessarily, you know, just hard enough sometimes to get those kids connected and just a regular mm-hmm. like dance and, you know, right. stuff that mm-hmm. people do. So that adds a whole nother level of stress. And I think that then the special needs ministry, if nothing else, if the family can get connected there at church, that's an anchor for them. And yes. then as they start, at least that's a nice anchor and what a great anchor. Mm-hmm. And then that can just sort of feed over. And at least that can actually decrease a lot of stress when you're moving and changing mm-hmm. situations. If you've at least got that church situation worked out, that's one thing it's done. And we focus on other areas and probably what will happen I guess I don't know this for sure but my thought is if they're regularly attending church they probably will meet other parents and that will maybe help connect them as well Mm -hmm. absolutely what a great ministry Oh, man, I want to be a part of that. I'm glad we are. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Working Therapist. You were listening to part one of Mana Church's Special Needs Ministry, and we are excited about what they're doing over there at Mana Church and how PDT is able to help support this ministry. You can check out this and other podcasts at theworkingtherapist.com. Stay tuned for the next episode where we go into part two of the Special Needs Ministry and more detail of that program. So stay tuned for part two, and I'll catch you next time on another episode to the working therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 